Hello everyone and welcome back to the AirPod, the one best place to come and get your royal news and analysis. And what a fine day we've gathered here for. The sun is out in London. I've got Maggie, ABC News foreign correspondent, right next to me. How are you doing? Hey, Omid. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. I feel like we've got some good news to talk about today. We've got a royal wedding, possibly our last... It's been busy this week. Our last ever royal wedding. It just hit me. Wow. Is it really? Well, who's left? Well, I guess that's, I guess we know, but you know, Archie someday. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I'm planning ahead. <laughs> that's very far you and into me, the future. Like thirty years from now, we'll still be kicking it. <laughs> but yes, we will be talking about the wedding between Princess Beatrice and Eduardo Mapelli Mozzi that took place today in Windsor, uh, and we have quite a lot of news to get through this week. Captain Tom Moore just received his knighthood from the queen we were just uh, cooing Ooh, over the footage yeah <laughs> it's adorable and of course we have news from across the pond uh megan the duchess of sussex spoke to young girls during the girl up summit earlier this week uh, for quite an empowering speech we'll be taking a look at that uh, the duchess of cambridge visited families after backing a new bbc initiative uh, something a little different for her we also got to hear some behind the scenes details on the cambridge kids at home during lockdown and my favorite my favorite subject royals on zoom <laughs> we'll be taking a look at the queen's humorous zoom call at the end of the episode i feel like that can also be a separate podcast royals do zoom <laughs> I feel like they definitely, uh, if they haven't invested in shares in Zoom, they, they really should have because I think they boosted the profile of the company. It was quite interesting to hear even our own prime minister praising Zoom this morning for literally keeping the country going. I know, it's kind of incredible. I mean, how much did you and I even use Zoom? Never quite as skillfully as the Queen. I know. We'll get more well, to that, but she's really in a whole other league. <laughs> She really is. Uh, but what, what what great news we had today and unexpected news. Um, of course, we had the announcement from Buckingham yeah. Palace. Did you have any idea this was happening? I, I'll have to admit, I know that going on behind the scenes, there were conversations about when and how it will take place. I know that the couple were very mindful that the Queen will soon be going off to Balmoral for the summer. And so there was a very small window that they had to work with. But I think like many couples, and I have friends in the same boats, you know, there are sort of current guidelines in place by the British government on how to have a wedding if you're going to get married at this time. And a lot of people have been are making that decision to wait until next year. But, you know, this is a young couple who clearly want to sort of forge ahead with their plans, uh, whatever they may be. Um, and they want to do that as husband and wife. So it was great to see that confirmation from Buckingham Palace that they had uh, gotten married in front of the Queen, Prince Philip, Prince Andrew, um, at a COVID-secure wedding um, with around 20 guests this morning at All Saints Chapel in the Windsor Great Park, which is, of course, where Prin Princess Beatrice and Eugenie grew up. It's so good that you make that point as well, because I think if this pandemic reminded us of anything, it's that at the end of the day, we're all humans, whether you be royals or, you know, some regular person in the U.S. or in the U.K. Because like you said, so many of our, our friends have had to deal with these issues as well. Are we going to postpone our wedding? Are we still going to get married and have maybe a larger you know, party and ceremony later? What are we going to do? And this is a case where you, know, you often think if you're a royal, you can probably get away with just about anything, right? They sort of have operated an entire different field of being human for quite some time. But in the case of this, I mean, you know, 
pandemic doesn't uh, have borders, you know, whether you're a royal or just, you know, a regular person, it's still a threat and you still have to abide by those guidelines. And so uh, the fact that she's a royal, Beatrice also had to have her wedding with these guidelines. She had to also make those hard decisions that you know, so many people are making uh, around the UK, around the US, around the world right now. Uh, and as you mentioned, though, it's really important. You know, she did. She followed the guidelines. And um, some of them are, are really specific. There's a lot to consider. So uh, some of the things that she had to do, just like anyone who would be wanting to have a wedding in the UK right now, uh, you mentioned the numbers. They have to keep it small. The government advises uh, that you keep the number of people to 30 or under for any type of gathering. And, and they acknowledge that, you know, um, civil ceremonies and things like weddings are very important to society. So they encourage people that if you are going to do this, um, go ahead with it, but just follow these guidelines. So keep the group small, under 30. But omit, oh there's tons of um, little things that you don't think of that you have to keep in check as well. Now, obviously, um, social distancing. It's still a thing even if what, even at weddings. So you know, while they had less than 30 people, all those people were still supposed to stay about two meters apart, one meter if they absolutely had to. But social distancing was still uh, a requirement. Requirement and even for the minister. So, you know, the, the couple can be close. Let's let's clarify that the couple can hold hands because the government says that's an important part of the ceremony. So <laughs> that's yeah, that's at least they can, they can break the social distancing. Um, but the minister is not supposed to touch them. So he's not supposed to hold the couple's hands. He's not even supposed to touch the couple's rings to give to them. You know, all of these things are thought of. Um, no one's supposed to share things like hymn books or, or, or uh, religious books or anything like that. Um, no one's supposed to all be touching uh, objects. Everyone's supposed to sanitize their hands before coming to the wedding, uh, sanitize your hands before, you know, doing things like signing a guest book or signing the register. Or if you're, you know, having to actually make it official and sign something, there's going to be sanitized gel right next to you. Uh, so there's tons of little things that go into this, including even trying to monitor, you know, how people sing. You're not supposed to raise your voice and singing is supposed to be kept to a minimum, if not at all, because we know this spreads the virus. So, you know, again, it is such a joyful day for them. I'm so happy they went forward with it as well, just to make sure that they have that bond and they celebrated people that are close to them. But they definitely had to pay attention to some of these important measures that not only them, but everyone has to pay attention to right now. So uh, again, congratulations. And I just, I, I'm impressed they went through with it, you know, with all the sanitization, uh, with all the requirements, but it still seems like it was a beautiful day. Absolutely. I think one of the really nice things about this is that they were able to do it in front of the Queen and Prince Philip. We know that Beatrice is really close with the Queen. And, you know, these. this is an, a much older couple who are at risk uh, during this pandemic. And But, you know, we have to remember that, that you know, the, the York family, so Andrew, Sarah Ferguson, Eugenie, Beatrice, Edo, they've all been together at the same home, largely for the majority of this lockdown period. And the Queen and Prince Philip, of course, have been isolating themselves at Windsor Castle. So this is only sort of three miles up the long walk to Windsor Great Park. So this is sort of, I guess, you know, we talk about the sort of bubble that we're allowed to sort of have or extend uh, with other family members uh, during lockdown to remain safe. And I would imagine that this is an extension of that. And why we didn't see members of the family such as the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and their children there so they really would have kept it very small um of course it's it's interesting that we haven't actually seen photos of the big day um but of course uh, there is a very good reason for that i spoke with a palisade this morning who said that because captain sir tom moore was getting his investiture at windsor castle this afternoon uh, beatrice and edo didn't want to overshadow his big day so they're actually releasing their photos the day afterwards so everyone can have their sort of moment in the spotlight which i thought was 
a really sweet gesture, and wow. we'll talk a little bit That's more really about sweet that. And thoughtful. Yeah, we'll talk a bit more about that moment in the, in a, it, you know at the time. But it shows that there's so much to think about, and you know, going back to what you were saying in terms of following you know, COVID safe guidelines, you know, the royal family is often a family that we can't relate to in many ways. But I think during times of difficulties, particularly uh, national or international crisis, such as the pandemic, um, we've really seen them lead by example uh, in the way that they've carried out their work, the the initiatives and the conversations that they've been having throughout this time, through the struggles uh, that they've had themselves. Of course, Prince Charles uh, very publicly was the only member of the royal family to have uh, had uh, coronavirus and recovered from it, thankfully. So, you know, this is this is a this is it really shows that it affects everyone from every walk of life um, in in very different ways. But I think, it, as you say, congratulations to the couple, and it's great to to have seen them go ahead with this. Otherwise, the the wait could have been very yeah. long. That's such a good point you make too of leading by example. Because I think we see a lot of people right now trying to get back to normal life and figuring out how they can do it. And you know, I'm sure so many people want to be having that big party or planning that big wedding, and you know, by the royal family doing it this way, showing people how it can be done in a safe way hopefully that encourages other people also to, to do it in a similar way to you know still be able to celebrate things but follow the guidelines and do it as safe as possible yeah and of course you know you talk about a big party the queen was originally hosting a very large reception for the couple at buckingham palace you know this was a wedding that was going to take place at some time in may they were going to get married at the chapel royal at st james's palace with 150 guests friends and family members by their side so it's obviously very difficult to walk away from something like that's something that I'm sure that many people think about for a long time when they're in a happy relationship such as these two but you know from what I hear from speaking with sources it was still a beautiful day uh, really special and I think that smaller number provided a level of intimacy that perhaps they wouldn't have had uh, if it was uh, done as they had originally planned. I'm excited to see these photos now. You will. You will see them soon. And yeah. they must have been taken very quickly because the Queen, although the wedding started at around or happened at around 11 o'clock, the Queen actually left a little earlier than everyone else. She left at 11.45am and headed back to Windsor Castle, but for a very good reason, because, of course, she was later presenting a knighthood to the 100-year-old NHS fundraiser hero Captain Tom Moore inside Windsor Castle or inside the grounds of Windsor Castle at 3 p.m. And we just saw the video footage this, of it. This video was incredible. This, for context, I was supposed to be calling Oma to start this podcast and I was like 10 minutes late because I could see the video feed coming in from my office window. And I just, I, I sat here, I even took out my phone to videotape the video coming in because that's how cute it was. Oh. <laughs> it's just such an amazing moment because you have these two incredible people with these storied histories, you know, the Queen in her mid-90s, Captain Thomas More, more than 100 years old. And, and to see the two of them together, and I think what made it really prominent as well is that because they're practicing social distancing and this investiture was outdoors you know it was just the two of them in this big field and seeing the two of them out there was just really a moment that was spectacular to capture a very special moment and we actually heard from him just before the the ceremony itself he tweeted he said it's going to be the most special of days for me i could never have imagined this would happen to me it's such a huge honor and i'm very much looking forward to meeting her majesty the queen um and that would have been a very special moment i think they got to spend more time together than they normally would during a ceremony like this because of course it is sort of a, a, a rotation of many different uh, people receiving uh, their investitures uh, this was of course an open-air ceremony 
at Windsor Castle, and but very much a special occasion. And of course, he made news around the world for raising so much money for the National Health Service here, I believe over $40 million in the end. Uh, and that was after t- walking 100 laps of his garden in Bedfordshire, which feels like such a long time ago. Now, I know. Um, but was actually very recently. <laughs> You know, it is incredible, not only what he did, but just imagine, Omid, when you spend your whole life and then you, you reach 100, and that's the moment you get knighted, you know? Then that's the moment you meet the queen. <laughs> it's really motivation to just never give up and keep giving it your all and giving it your best. I mean, maybe you'll get knighted at age 100. Who knows? Exactly. There will be other investitures taking place later this year, but of course, as we know, those that usually take place at Buckingham Palace and in Edinburgh, they have been postponed for the time being. So this was really a special occasion that they sort of rolled out the red carpet, literally, for him on this mm, big how day. special. And again, this video, if you haven't seen it, you need to go watch it. It's, it'll just put a smile on your face. Absolutely. Now, of course, across the pond, as I said, the Duchess of Sussex had had a very busy week, uh, giving one of her first major speeches on a global stage since leaving the royal family as a working member of the family. Uh, she gave an empowering speech to young women at the Girl Up Summit, which is a, an event founded by the UN Foundation, uh, where she spoke to just over 40,000 attendees uh, in something like 172 different countries, uh, talking about uh, the importance of gender equity and female empowerment, and of course speaking about some of the positive and negative impacts of the internet, uh, perhaps referring to some of her own experiences. Believing in true equality is not enough. It's going to take more than belief. We have to work for it every day. Even when it's hard, even when it makes others feel uneasy, we have to speak up for ourselves and we have to speak out for others who struggle to be heard. Like them, I know all of you will use your voices courageously. And I also know that all of you will use your voices compassionately. Compassion doesn't mean we shouldn't feel outraged when we see blatant injustice all around us. And of course we should. But I challenge you to broaden that feeling. The Dalai Lama famously said, compassion is the radicalism of our time. Compassion means seeing the pain and suffering of others and knowing that it's our duty to try to help relieve it. Continue to believe in yourselves. Believe in what makes you unique and don't be afraid to do what you know is right, even when it's not popular, even when it's never been done before, even if it scares people. I think what was really interesting about this was that this was Megan really being able to talk without any constraints of um, some of the things you might have to bear in mind when writing a speech as a working member of the royal family. Um, I understand that she really spent a long time preparing for this speech. Um, and, uh, you know, usually we see members of the royal family reading from a very tight script when they sort of grow up onto a stage. And I understand that Megan had bullet points and sort of something to refer to, but this was very much something that she uh, spoke more from the heart than from a script about. Yeah, and I love that she took the opportunity to speak to young people in particular. You know, this is something that Megan has done so many times before, and I just always love it when I, I 
see her t being able to talk to these these young women who I think really resonate with herself and look up to her and uh, she really speaks to them on their level as well and, and, and talking about things like you know, bullying online and how you can find your voice and use your voice specifically online that's something that's so relevant to young people right now so to, to reach out to them in particular and remind them that they have power they have this voice you know you might be young you might feel like you're oppressed or like you don't have a voice but you do and so to hear that coming from someone who you know is a member of the royal family even though no longer a working royal but still a member of the royal family that has a lot of power and i'm sure it really made a difference to a lot of these young women absolutely and of course the summit although it was aimed at young girls it was open to people of all genders and backgrounds um i myself uh, slightly older than their target demographic uh, but i did log in to join some of these speeches of course we also heard from michelle obama speaking about women's education and the importance of it we heard from hillary clinton uh, megan's friend priyanka chopra gave a Q&A as well so some really great talkers I thought, thought what was great about this was that it was I think Megan was a, perhaps a little punchier than we've seen her in the past you know she spoke about holding or the importance of holding people in power accountable and make and perhaps making them feel a little uncomfortable you know not being afraid to do so um, she of course spoke about the importance of women lifting each other up and you know I think there was a lot of praise there for the younger generation a generation that is often overlooked by um, an older demographic uh, or sort of dismissed as perhaps not sort of being able to have much impact. But she spoke, she said, you know, your generation is one of digital natives and you understand that our online world has the power to affirm and support as much as it does to harm. Um, and she really went on to sort of, I think, I w wonder if she's sort of referring to some of her own experiences. Um, but she spoke about, you know, we're not meant to be breaking each other down. We're meant to be building each other up. So use your voice both on and offline to do just that. Build each other up, support mm. each other. Yeah, it's such a good point you make too. I mean, I think she, she almost takes it one step further in a sense, not only telling them that they have the power, but uh, that, I mean, she uses the phrase even, we need you right now. Humanity desperately needs you. So really putting the focus on young people saying it's not even a choice that you know, this is something that you need to do. You need to stand up for justice and equality and, and all of these things that she promotes as well. Um, it, 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 you're, you're so right. That's an interesting choice of words and power saying it's not just an ask, it's almost a, a declaration that this is something that your, your generation needs to do. Mm. I had an interesting conversation with Team Sussex after this happened and they said that this, this speech really spoke to many of the issues that she will continue to focus on passionately uh, moving forward. You know, we're talking about gender equity, racial injustice, youth empowerment, and the importance of creating a healthy digital community. Um, I think she, more than other members of the royal family, has really sort of felt the effects of the negative sides of the internet. Um, and I think that that's something that both Harry and Meghan will really focus on moving forward. Yeah, and I hope to see more of it. I mean, I, I, it's been great that they've done so many uh, of these events. And I'm curious, you know, with Harry and Meghan, they're obviously in a different situation than the royals in the UK right now. But it'll be interesting to see when they'll be able to get out there for those public engagements again uh, as well. And I think it might be quite some time. Um, but it's great that they're taking advantage of things like these calls and these video recordings and Zooms to still make sure they have a presence, despite the fact that because of their location, you know, they're still not able to, to get out for, for public outings anymore. Yeah, this was a three-day summit. And of course, it was supposed to take place physically in one place in the US. But I think the beauty of uh, the situation that we're currently and meant that it was actually able to reach uh, much further corners of the planet by sort of operating as this virtual event. I also think this worked as a really great preview 
of the Duchess of Sussex and some of her future speaking engagements. We, of course, heard that she had signed up with the Harry Walker Agency, both she and Harry, um, and were really committed to taking on a lot of sort of philanthropy-based public speaking. And I think that this is probably a sign of a lot more to come. Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought of that, but you're so right. And, and the, the tone of this and the approach and the method, I think it'll really resonate. And um, it's it's... It's great to see this, and that's exciting that we might be seeing more of it as well. Someone else that we heard from this week was the Duchess of Cambridge, uh, who launched a new initiative with the BBC. We'll be taking a look at that just after the break. Welcome back, everyone. Now, someone that we've seen out and about, away from the webcam a lot over the last few days, is the Duchess of Cambridge, who recently visited families after backing a new digital initiative for the BBC that's aimed to help parents and carers. Tiny Happy People is the name of the digital hub launched by the BBC. And the Duchess actually had quite a hand in some of the process behind it. Yeah, it goes back a long way. I think, you know, in a way, like lots of the parents here and lots of parents you, you know, and families that you speak to is that, you know, I think we all know how important it is to look after our children and to nurture and care for young kids. But I didn't realise, you know, before I started all of this work, I didn't realise just how important... It is, um, and you know, some of the science behind all of it is extraordinary. Sort of ninety percent of our adult brain grows before the age of five, and just shows what a precious time this is, and what an amazing opportunity us as parents have got to really nurture their minds and and really put them in the best possible position for their future lives. Now I remember that first engagement that she had with the BBC back in November and I remember there was talk about her sort of taking part in some of the behind the scenes work on some digital animated clips Um, but I didn't at the time have any idea that this would be tied in with Tiny Happy People. This is a really cool initiative and of course ties in very well with her childhood development that's really become the cornerstone of her charitable endeavours now Um, and it's basically there to help lend support to parents and carers and helping children's language and communication skills from the womb up to the age of four. Yeah, it is great. I mean, we talk about this all the time, but to see uh, the royals each have sort of their passion projects and then when they really commit to them across so many uh, different moments, so many different charities and things they're patrons of, uh, it's great to see. And obviously this has been something that Kate's championed for so long. And uh, what I love also is, you know, um, the, the, the royal Instagram accounts all released some photos of the event as well. And um, some of the ones they released of Kate, they're just really cute. I mean, there's ones of her almost making a goofy face with the kid and being really excited. And it's such a, a friendly and a wholesome and an open side to Kate that you can tell really comes out when, especially when she's around kids like that. So uh, seeing these photos and having them post on the social accounts and seeing her interact with children in this way, it's just really endearing and, and shows you how much she really does love this kind of work. And I feel like this is when she's really at her best. I think she's very confident around children. And I think partly due to the pandemic and having to you know carry out engagements in front of uh, zoom video cameras she's perhaps found a little bit more confidence herself in front of the camera of course this uh, announcement was followed by an appearance on bbc breakfast um, which was on tuesday this week where she gave an interview with the show um, um, not only talking about the initiative herself but also about her own children and dealing with them in lockdown i thought the funniest thing from that was she said she feels like a constant feeding machine and that her children have bottomless pits 
for stomachs. <laughs> uh, but of course, this was part of a bigger conversation about parenting. Um, but it was great to get some of those insights from her um, about her when she was a first time mum. She said that she wished that something like this initiative existed when she was uh, expecting George, which of course feels like such a long time ago now. Um, and we had some really s- sweet words about Louis, who she says has been struggling with social distancing a little bit. Oh, no. It's always so great when you get these little glimpses inside their life, right? I mean, I think what's special about this is that Kate really does have so many personal experiences to so many of these parents that are dealing with similar issues. And you know, even just hearing her experiences of feeding her kids or dealing with them during shutdown, lockdown and, um, you know, dealing with them growing up as well. She can really relate to so many of these parents. And so... It's great that she's taking this on and can be sort of the face to these to these problems. And I'm really curious, you know, what it'll be like. I, I think in particular, this resource in general is, is, is so hands-on. And that's great. Lots of times, uh, you know, it's great to be raising awareness and to be, you know, um, talking about these issues, but then to also deliver a platform that parents can actually use. They can go to it and learn things and uh, they can, you know, have tools at their disposal to help them become better parents or help them with their kids. Uh, It's great. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how parents in the UK really utilize this and and, and what it can actually do for young parents. Mm, Two of the animations for the website that she was involved with were um, she helped with the character and background development for couple of um, clips one was about the importance of making eye contact with babies and the other was about singing to them uh, whilst they're still in the womb and when they're newborns which i thought was very cute does she give examples i would love to hear what she's <laughs> saying to her babies <laughs> she did not unfortunately um aren't you curious but i i you know i think what's great about kate is that we've had many glimpses into how she raises her children and we often get these great anecdotes from her on these engagements because of course as a a young mum herself she can really relate her own experiences to those that she's hearing when she's there on the ground. Um, I did love her talking about Louis not understanding social distancing and saying that really he just wants to go out and cuddle everything particularly any babies that are younger than him. Um, Oh that's so sweet. (laughs) That's me and and all puppies I think. Yoshi does not understand social distancing. He's too good for that. He really doesn't. We've had to pause this recording a few times, but <laughs> the less said about that, the better. Yeah, Yoshi wants his dad's attention right now. <laughs> well, someone who has mastered the art of social distancing and the Zoom call is Her Majesty herself, who has only actually appeared in two Zoom calls publicly. I know she's had more behind the scenes. This week, we got to hear her speaking to service personnel from the British Army, the Royal Navy and the Royal Air Force via video call uh, just to hear about the work of the British Armed Forces at home and overseas during the pandemic because a lot of the armed forces are, of course, following the same guidelines as everyone else. Um, But what was interesting about this is that she proved to be quite the dab hand when it came to lockdown communication. So I'm uh, the pilot for the Jamaican bobsleigh team. Gosh. So how do you train? Unorthodox sort of training method. So I've been uh, pushing a car up and down the street. I've had to make a gym. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose that's one way to train. Well, I'm very glad to have been able to meet all of you. And the best of luck. 
I just love this moment so much. I mean, I know uh, we get these glimpses of the queen sometimes, but we don't hear from her like this very often. And so to get this glimpse where she's, I mean, she's giggling right here. She actually is giggling. And so to hear the queen in this way, um, it, it's just such a, it's a unique and kind of cute insight. Can I say cute? I think you can say cute, definitely. Okay, is that allowed? Absolutely. <laughs> it was a super cute moment then. I'm doubling down. Very cute moment. And I, I love that it was shared. Absolutely. I think what was nice about this was that, you know, and, and I've said this before, these uh, virtual engagements that we get a little glimpse into, I think we get to see a little bit more from that royal family member than we usually do when we're sort of at arm's length, uh, sort of covering from a media position at an engagement. We actually get to hear some of the conversations. And I think she's proved herself to be quite competent when it comes to Zoom calls. Uh, I was actually reading a Vogue article this morning that said, it was commenting mostly on the Queen's attire throughout the Zoom call, but the headline was, the Queen's Zoom look is obviously better than yours. And I felt, <laughs> I felt very triggered by that as I sat just finishing off a Zoom call in my sweatpants. You're like, that hit a little close to home. I will say she's always so put together. I mean, even today at the, at the Captain Tom event, um, it was a wonderful light blue suit matching hat. And on her Zoom calls, it's always so put together. I mean, I don't know about you, but on my Zoom calls, I'm like bedhead, glasses on, some various form of workout <laughs> gear somewhere on my body, even though I haven't actually worked out yet that day. It's much more of a disaster. It's good It's good life goals, the queen, right? If the queen at a you know mid-90s, can still pull it together like this. There's no excuse for you and I. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the beauty of doing a podcast where no one can see you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the real reason, right? <laughs> exactly. And that just about wraps us up for Royal News this week. I, we will definitely have a lot more information on Princess Beatrice's wedding in the next episode. And we will get those photos, Maggie, that I'm sure you and I will both be analysing oh, every detail. <laughs> Fun weekend treat for us, Omid. <laughs> If you do want to get in touch with the show, just tweet myself or Maggie at Scobie or at Maggie Rooley on Twitter. Just use the hashtag TheAirPod. A big thanks to the guys in New York, Leighton Schneider, Mike Dubusky and Anthony Alley for putting the show together. And of course, take care of yourselves, look after each other and we'll see you next time. <laughs>